2: Welcome back to another episode of Behold, Behold, Behold a Pale Podcast.
3: Hmm.
2: The gang's all here. Brother Jonathan, Brother Alexander, okay? Ola. You know what I mean? We, we're braving allergy season to come to y'all, bring y'all some flavor. Some conservative
4: flavor. Some of that mucusy flavor.
2: That Mm. mucusy. Alexander told me if it was clear mucus, you don't got to worry about it. But if it's got shit in it, you got a problem. That's what he tells me. Hey, hey, hey,
5: if you blow your nose and it's all yellow and crusty and all that, that usually means there's some kind of infection. But if it's clear, usually, at least I find,
2: it usually is because of allergies or dust, that kind of stuff. I heard if it's clear, you're 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 blowing it out of the wrong hole.
0: <laughs>
4: <Those> <laughs> tissues,
2: we call yeah. it tissue man. We're gonna make a superhero movie called Tissue Man, starring Alexander Hawk. He goes into bad guys' houses and leaves their fucking waste barrels full of tissues <laughs> to stop crime. All right, uh, I'll enough. try. I'll try. Fair enough, folks. All right, gentlemen, gentlemen <laughs> and ladies out there in the audience, thank you all for coming by. In this episode, <clears throat> the headline America's Most in the Murder of Adam Walsh. All right, this is some horrifying shit. Very gruesome. This probably has to be, I remember when we were kids, this kind of popped off. And, um, like, I remember this as a young kid hearing about this. And um, for anybody out there that isn't hip to it, you know, Adam Walsh is the son of John Walsh who was became the tour. I don't know what he did originally, but I know he eventually became the host of that America's most wanted show. And they captured, you know, a lot of um, fugitives and criminals and put them behind bars and such. And the whole thing kind of spawned off from like this tragic thing happening to him. And it's very honorable because, you know, it's horrifying. You know, when we talked about this earlier, cause we've been kicking around this idea for an episode for a little bit and the horrifying madness of like, all the kind of good, if you, if you, if you will, that John Walsh did getting these people off the streets, you know, saving kids and you know, he's, he did it all and he could never get his kid back. He, it was all out of like the kindness of his heart. I'm sure there was a lot of, you know, he didn't want to be, you you leave yourself with an empty mind and and not busy with shit to do. You you start to think about things you probably don't want to think about. So I think that played a part into it a little bit. Um, but, you know, much condolences to the Walsh family and rest in peace to Adam Walsh, because uh, very horrifying story, you know what I mean? Boy, born November 14th, 1974, he's older than all of us, which is interesting. Well, Hawk. Yeah, he's older than the Hawk. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> older than me, man. I'm only older than you. <laughs> and Sean, you're older than Sean, too. Oh.
4: Hey, said, leave me know. alone. I think I'm older
2: than Sean. It's funny because growing up, I was always like the oldest dude in the pack. Hmm. When I got into the entertainment biz, I was the youngest dude in the pack, which is funny. Are
4: the rules reversing on
2: that end yet? Uh, no. I'm <laughs> glad though. I'd rather him. I'd rather not be the, the the oldest person. I'd be the younger person.
5: Yeah, yeah. So, so in the end, if uh, if if we get successful, he's always going to be better than me because he he got success. Earlier in life than I, I, I do because I'm already older
2: than he is. Age is just a number, bud. And success is what you make it. Success is what you make it. I like that. It's true. You know, you could. There, there's homeless people on the streets that are happier than billionaires in penthouses. You know, dude, I, mean? I
4: seen a picture with some uh, guy out in California. You know yeah. how all the homeless people are taking over Lake Santa Monica or whatever. Yeah. I seen a guy sitting next to his tank and having a fucking VR headset on. I was like, get the fuck out of here, man. Where the fuck are you charging that
2: shit? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. They, you know, they always, there was that, that, that age-old story of you see a homeless dude with a can and a cardboard saying, I need money to eat, and then they get into, like, a fucking Cadillac Escalade and go home.
4: Yeah, there was a bunch of people
5: around, uh,
4: like, upstate New York doing that shit.
2: Yeah. yeah.
5: You want to know something that's funny. My brother told me this story that when he went to New York once, he was going through uh, one of the big um, train stations. Mm. And, of course, he says that there's a lot of homeless people around always trying to get a little... Something. He actually had someone come up to him and ask him you know, for uh, some some money. And my brother's like, I'm sorry, I don't have any cash on me. He says, that's okay. And he pulls out a... a, a credit card reader okay and and and, uh, and of course how do you respond to that it's kind of like wait a minute wait a minute you can carry a, a credit card reader and get credit card? I mean I mean I was like oh my god I'd be like oh, sorry dude if you have enough money get your hands on the credit card uh, reader uh, no nah. uh, you have enough money that you don't need mine
2: First time me and Sean ever went to New York City. Mm-hmm. Two great homeless people stories. One a little bit sad, I guess. You pick which one's sad. Um, what, the second we walk off the bus? <laughs> yeah. was Just like a dead guy hanging out in the gutter. <laughs> like, what yeah. The fuck? yeah, we stepped over a dude that we, we think was daily departed. And he had, like, a newspaper over his face. I think, like... But that's how gangster it is in fucking New York and so, like, prominent with this catch that. And he was just like, I was blown away at how the dude could be sleeping like well, he was taking the big nap. But, like, you walk, walk by other people, it's got to be booze. It's got to be booze because it'll be fucking 3 o'clock in the p.m. The, like, noisy as fuck in the city of New York. People, like, literally stepping on their chest, walking over them, and they stay asleep through it. I don't know how they do it. The other good homeless story, uh the the, the gentleman Jonathan, um we we asked the homeless man for directions and he gave us directions on the tee. Sean gave him a ten dollar bill. And Straight I've never seen up. anybody that happy in my life. That guy he was working, man. Yeah, dude. And he was an old dude, he was fun, you know. Yeah. A lot of them were trying. Yeah, gave
4: us legit directions and everything. Was oh, like, yeah, you go, he, brother,
2: he brought us. Yeah, it was like, how hmm. do we get here? He was like, "Come with me," and he just like took us there. Luckily, he didn't take us into some dark alley where we got fucking annihilated by like zombies. Zombies. Could have
4: ended people. up a little different.
2: Yeah. Hey, maybe
4: he's listening to this. Thank you. If you remember us,
2: if you're listening on your Bluetooth headphone, thank you, sir. Hit us, hit up the show. We'd love to talk to you about the homeless life and what it actually entails. Um. I would love to get a homeless person on here you know, to kind of know that life. It's it's a wild life, and I feel for them. I know uh, in our, our closest little city, Brockton, um, in the winter, you'd drive by. There was this place called Charlie Chan's, all right?
0: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. And you, you drive by in the winter. There'd be t- people that would sleep outside of it. I think maybe there's one dude. You would drive by in the morning after it snows. You would see flat concrete, and then you'd see bumps of where people were sleeping, completely covered in snow. And it's like, how the fuck do you stay alive? You know what no, I
4: mean? I, I shit you not the, the the Charlie Chan guy is like the dreadpire Rob. It's somebody has replaced <laughs> him and how like the legend is living on. Like they still come out in the morning and like shoo him away and shit. Yeah.
2: He own he should own Charlie Chan's by now. He probably does.
4: We just don't know it.
2: It's <laughs> craziness. Uh Hawkman you were born in eighty three, right? uh eighty one actually. eighty one that's i'm, I'm eighty three i lost my mind for a second yeah
4: you older than me
2: yeah eighty one that's the year that he went away what year? What, uh, in july seventeenth july 27th, he passed that's not your uh that's not close to your b day though so uh yeah, you know july sixth is mine uh he died oh that's horrifying age six. Uh, Indian River County, Florida. I know they found him in, like, a fucking river. They say he died from asphyxi- asphyxiation there, which is choking him out. Um, I know what happened later was worse, but uh, I guess I guess if you gotta go through the second part, you're probably better off taking that first part to death. Um, but I, I can't say that either because I'm sure it wasn't fucking beautiful. I'm sure it wasn't... Uh, I'm sure they didn't wait for him to gently go to sleep and then have a cat take his breath away. You know what I mean? I'm sure I yeah. fucking strangle them like animals, but, uh, all right. Adam, John Walsh middle name, John, after his father, even sadder, uh, born November 14th, 1974, passed away on July 27th, 1981, six years on this earth. He was an American boy who was abducted from a Sears department store at the Hollywood mall in Hollywood, Florida. Uh, Hollywood, Florida always rings a bell because people, I've heard people say Hollywood before and go California and they go no Florida. Mm. Um, on July 27th, 1981. Now, I don't think of that. Who's to say if he actually, that's his death date, but I don't know if he died that day. Sadly, he probably didn't die that day. He was shot. Yeah. Uh, um, his severed head was found two weeks later in a drainage canal along alongside Highway 60, the Yeehaw Junction in rural Indian River County, Florida. His death gam- uh, garnered national interest and was made into the 1983 television film, Adam. I remember that. Um, seen by 38 million people. I'm, I'm one of them. I didn't see it live. I watched it later. <laughs> um, people, It's original airing. His father, John Walsh, became... Uh, an advocate for victims of violent crimes, and was the host of the television program America's Most Wanted. And later, in pursuit with John Walsh, convicted serial killer Otis Toole, Which, if anybody's out there, you want to know what a real, what fuck, a, what a yeah, dude who looks like he would do this looks like? Then you got you grab, you take a go, go look picture of that dude. He confessed to Adams' murder, but was never convicted of the crime because evidence was lost. Toole later recanted his confession. Tool died in prison of liver failure on September 15, 1996. No new evidence has come to light since then. And the police announced on December 16, 2008, that the Walsh case uh, case was closed and that they were satisfied that Tool was the killer. That just means they don't want to do any more paperwork, and they don't want to have a loss on their hands. They they consider it a win when they close a case. Um, you know, when people go to retire from the force they really want to wrap those cases up but when they're, when they're under their belt. So I think they might be a little easier just to go, oh, okay, sure, that'll fit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, this, this kind of caught my attention a little bit because the Otis Tool dude, you know, I just learned right now about him recanting it. I know that he recanted it, but I always thought it was very questionable because when I seen him do his, his talks and he was just like, he came off like somebody that just wanted to be notorious. Like he didn't actually do it but he added it to him like we're talking about before the show you know if you're if you're like somebody who's in prison uh forever not getting out and you know even if you didn't do it you could possibly take that on take on the responsibility of it either to become you know famous for something if not nothing um or uh like a guilt type deal where You know, he could just be so guilty about what he did that he felt that he was such a bad person that he should be condemned even more. Or uh, there might be feelings of, like, if he's condemned for for his sins that he didn't commit on Earth, then he'll be justified in heaven or something. Religious people can get a little weird, especially religious murderers. I'm sure their fucking brain is really weird on how things, (laughs) you know, play out. You know, how they should be forgiven type deal. Um, Yeah. Yeah. also another thing is another
5: possibility is going off of what you were saying about people wanting to close the case. I I'm not saying this happened, uh just another possibility out there. It could simply be that, you know, uh they want to close the case. They know this guy's in there, he's not getting out. Say hey dude instead of, you know, getting only one jello uh for lunch, you get two. If you uh if you take on the, uh, say that you did this.
2: You're right. I mean, we've seen that in movies, so I assume it's got to be real life, you know what I mean?
5: I uh, mean, the, that's another possibility. The thing is, especially when you come uh, dealing with a death that is so so on the public consciousness uh-uh. that you're going to get a lot of people to confess to it for <laughs> multiple <clears throat> different reasons. Really? And, of course, you're dealing with people that are in prison for uh, heinous crimes themselves. And, and you know, if they don't have – if they're not going to be leaving anyway, if someone's like – maybe, maybe uh, not uh, someone involved with the case, but the actual person who actually did it. Let's mm-hmm. say he ended up being, you know, in jail for a short time and he ended up being – you know, uh cellmates with this uh with this guy and it's like, you know, I'm only in here for a little bit of time. I'm going to get out, but dude, you're gonna be in here like forever. How about this? You you take uh take the responsibility. You say, Yes, I killed this kid, which you know, this other guy actually did, and, you know, I'll make sure you get a certain amount in your cantina budget until you die, or, you know, take care of your mom who's in a nursing home. I mean, anything can be a possibility. I mean, especially when... I mean, there's so many people that that have done horrendous things that are in and out of the jail system for a lot of lesser-known crimes. So that's also a possibility.
2: You'd think there'd be a conscience to these detectives. You know what I mean? It's almost like... It their closing the case becomes more important than finding justice in a way, you know what I mean? Because they're looking at it like, hey, nothing I can do could bring the kid back. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, if there is, if justice falls into the afterlife, in a way. You know, a lot of people will say that when you die, everything just kind of leaves you, not just piss and shit, but all your worries and you know everything all the things that weigh you down you don't like, like 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 you wouldn't care about who killed you in the afterlife because you're dead it's over type deal but I, I i always feel like you would always care you know what i mean so they're almost doing even if they're not if they don't consider it an injustice to the family realistically an injustice to the community then you got to think of the injustice to the kid you know what i mean mm. Cause an unsolved murder is fucking you like to know people at least have to answer for their crimes especially when they do something fucking completely heinous like that cutting the head off of a 6-year-old kid and I think they did worse to him which is fucking hard to believe worse is pretty fucking heinous so like Oh no
4: these guys definitely did.
2: Yeah, I believe they did worse shit. So we try not to dive too deep. We try not to get too professional and do research because so doc, we blame the darkness. We don't want to live in darkness all week. So we just live in darkness for an hour and a half every two weeks. <laughs> you know
0: what I mean? So yeah. That's That's well, yeah.
2: I mean, I, when, when dealing with...
5: I, there's so many people that just seem to revel in, in uh, depravity and, and darkness and they, they enjoy it. I mean, unfortunately uh, there's a lot of people like that in the world.
2: Yeah, for sure. So let's pop into the kidnapping and murderer real quick. Um, Or part of the show, I should say. Now on the afternoon of July 27th, 1981, Adam accompanied by his mother, Rev, uh, which I'm sure is short for something. Uh, His mother, Rev, on a shopping trip to the Hollywood Mall, Um, they went to Sears entering through the north entrance. Uh, She intended to inquire about a lamp that was on sale and left Adam at the kiosk with uh, Atari twenty six hundred video games on display, where several other boys were taking turns playing them. Uh, she, do you remember those days when you'd go to the mall and you could play the systems? I don't mm-hmm. you do that? Yeah. that. was good mm-hmm. times. Not in COVID world. That's done.
4: Yeah. Uh,
2: but the boy, the several boys were taking turns playing them. Uh, when she completed her business in the lamp department around twelve fifteen p.m. She said that she returned to find that Adam and the other boys had disappeared. Um, I wonder if they tried to, like, get a hold of those other boys for questioning. That would be huge, I think, or if any of them disappeared. Um, A store manager informed her that a scuffle had broken out over whose turn it was uh, next to use the kiosk, and a security guard demanded the boys leave the store. Ouch! The security guard... Yeah. Ooh. That's fucked up. That security guard must have some serious guilt popping. Um, I mean, how's he, how's he to know something like that would happen? But still, if you're a human, just to be linked and involved yeah. with something that fucking heinous has to yeah. weigh on you. Uh, the security guard asked the older boys if their parents were present, and they said they were not. Adam's parents later conject- conjectured that he had been too shy to speak to the security guard. That would have been me as a kid. You know, mm-hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it either. Uh, who presumed that he was in the company of the other boys and made him leave by the same door by which the boys had entered. In the west entrance, his parents believed that after the other boys dispersed, he was left alone outside the store at an exit unfamiliar to him. Now, I just want to make a comment real quick. If he was beefing with these other boys and all got released, the, the possibility of those kids maybe doing something is possible. Cause I remember in the nineties you heard, there was a, a story. I remember like, uh, I remember some two kids killed like a, a young kid this age and they put his body on train tracks and their, their accusations was because they thought he looked like Chucky. Do you remember that at all? Mm, yeah. No. no, it was reality. I remember this and kids, kids, ki- kids, not only say the darndest things, they do the darndest things sometimes. And, uh, you know, kids really don't have a conscience. You almost grow into a conscience. You know what I mean? It's a weird vibe. So, like, it's possible. Uh, it's possible for something crazy to go. But meanwhile, unable to find Adam in the toy department, she had him paged over the public address system and continued to look out for him uh, throughout the store. By coincidence, she ran into the mother, her mother-in-law, Jean, who helped her search for him. So her mother-in-law just happened to be there. The, the plot thickens, gentlemen. Um, after more than ninety minutes of searching and paging, uh, failed to locate Adam. She called the Hollywood police. Now there must not, dude. I tell you, somebody here has got kids we won't mention. Huh. I can only imagine the horror, dude. Like I got nieces and nephews, and my 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 youngest niece was she she didn't get off like, like a couple months ago she didn't she stayed on the bus and she didn't get off at a stop and oh. they couldn't find her for a couple hours in the fear that that fucking put through your soul i can't oh, yeah. imagine dude i couldn't no, i don't even want to imagine what it would be like to be a parent like the scenario like even when you go to a store with a kid or you go to a fucking parade or you go to whatever with a kid and like you got them by your your, your, your your side for a second and you turn around and even if they're like 10 feet away or like somewhere else with some, just that moment of you realizing, wait a second, they're not here, is fucking yeah. horrifying. You know what I mean? I always feel for those parents when the kids go missing because like the fucking agony you must fail, dude, the fucking horrifying um, on August 10th. A severed head was found in a drainage canal alongside the Florida Turnpike near Vero Beach, almost 130 miles uh, from Hollywood, by Detective Ralphie Latimer, Jr., and an and, and, and unidentified deputy of the Indian River County Sheriff's Office. I don't know why he's unidentified. They're trying to keep him secret. His name was uh, Deputy Otis Toole, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Indian Indian River County and Saint uh, Louis Lucy County uh, divers searched the canal on the morning of August 11th. John and Revy appeared on national television, saying that they still hoped that Adam was alive. Horrifying, uh, you know, the U.S. Uh, they they offered hundred thousand uh, dollars reward, which would be two hundred eighty four thousand by this this time. It was posted for Adam's safe return Uh, soon after the recovered remains were identified as Adam's. So that's super fucking tough and cold. Um, Horrifying. I've seen that footage of the news, you know, them up there. (sighs) That's tough, dude. That's like horrifying. Um, I know when they find stuff like that, it's, 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 you know, when they, they can't tell you immediately, they have to kind of figure it out. But you hear through the grapevine that, like, they found a head, dude. And that, yeah. that's too much, man. That's, I don't think they have, they probably don't have any more tears left, dude. Their fucking tear ducts run dry, you know what I mean?
4: Shock um, sets in.
2: Yeah, shock for sure. Shock for sure. Um. Yeah, I can't, you know, the coroner ruled that the cause of Adam's death was asphyxiation. Uh, choked out uh, the state of the remains suggested that adam had died several days before the discovery of his head the rest of his body was never recovered the head itself would be kept in the morgue until the case closure in 2008 i remember hearing that which is horrifying they ha- i guess they would like they would probably have to treat it from formal- out like do the formaldehyde stuff and all that right yeah or is that something they wouldn't do because it would tamper with evidence i don't know Dude, knowing that there's a six year old's fucking head in a bag anywhere is horrifying, you know. <sighs> and, it, and it's like it's you got to assume there's even more horrifying shit in that fucking that locker room or whatever the fuck. Um, horrifying. Lord. I you know some of the you know. When you talk about how jo- how hard it is for a detective or a cop, their job, it's things like this that the regular people wouldn't want to deal with. I know I wouldn't want to deal with it. I remember they see they, cr- they they got fucking that Wiener dude's laptop, um, Anthony Wiener, whatever the fuck his name is, and uh, he had like some put like pedophile shit on his laptop, and supposedly like three or four of the detectives that actually seen the footage on the laptop, killed themselves after seeing what was on there that's how fucking horrifying it was it was all sexually explicit explicit weird probably kids getting killed you know some sick shit um so like that right there the kidnapping and murder he was found pretty close to it sounds like um well 2 weeks is a lot of long 2 weeks and that's fucking that's tough, and he was killed. Yeah, like I said, when they said his death date is is the missing date, but they said that he was fi- he was killed a couple of days before he was found, so he wasn't. There wasn't that death date isn't accurate. Yeah, but god damn, I dude that the the reason why this story is so prominent is because of that severed head. The fact that they never found the body and that it was a little kid's head cut off is fucking horrifying. It's like the ugly, It's like it's the worst of humanity. You know what I mean? It's why the aliens don't visit us. Now the investigation will pop into. Now John and his wife believe that the Hollywood Police Department botched the treatment of Adam's disappearance. They probably did. Uh, the first with the missing first with the missing person's investigation, and then with the murder investigation. He was John Walsh was not a celebrity at this point, or they would have cared a lot more, unfortunately. Uh, hmm. after, after some investigation, police eventually concluded that Adam was abducted by a drifter named Otis Toole near the front exterior of Sears after being instructed to leave by a security guard. Made all that sadder by the fact that he didn't want to speak up to a security guard. He probably didn't want to speak up to Otis Toole or whoever grabbed him either, and he probably just sadly as an unexpected kid would you know kids don't think of the evils of the world they don't think he they don't know they're going to be a fucking severed head in a fucking bag in a couple weeks you know what i mean like it's horrifying tool said that he had lured adam into his white 1971 cadillac he must have been collecting change for that cadillac (laughs) he looks like a fucking homeless dude i don't know where he gets well 71 he was like 20 years 20 years old probably got it from family which had a damaged right bumper. This nice 71 Cadillac white. Um, you know, you see white, you don't really think bad things. You think angelic or positive
5: glow. Uh, I don't know. When I see a white van, I always think of
2: something uh, naughty going on. How do you see a white van in the driver's seat? I don't know. I don't know how you <laughs> Must have special mirrors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tool said, yeah, that's horrifying. So... With the problem he, he promised him toys and candy. You know, you hear that all the time. That's like a big deal. Um, then proceeded to drive north on Interstate 95 toward his home in Jacksonville. Adam, at first docile and co- uh, compliant, began to panic as they drove on. Obviously, you know what I mean. Um, tool punched him in the face. Grown man punching a six-year-old—that's know, fucked up. But is this this just made the situation worse? He, he told, he told Tool, you, you hit like a bitch. Um, he then walloped. What?
5: Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. That was called
2: out. a joke. That was called a fucking joke, cock. Oh, okay. okay. Don't take that for reality. <laughs> Don't take that for reality, my friend. <laughs> like what? Uh, that was my comment because he didn't knock him out, apparently. Or maybe, uh, yeah, well, after the one hit, it did, things got worse. So then the dude walloped him unconscious. So he fucking beat him till he was unconscious. Horrifying. Um, while Adam was unconscious, true, dro- true drove North on the Florida turnpike to a deserted service road, just North of Radbaugh road, the overpass in Northwest St. Lucie County. I automatically think of that scene in fucking, um, Dr. Sleep. If you guys see that,
4: mm-hmm. no.
2: yeah, there's a scene in dog, like Dr. Sleep's a cool. It's a Stephen King movie. It's actually good. If anybody wants to check it out. And, um, Spoiler alert! Like it's these kind of psychic vampire type things, and it's it's the it's based off The Shining. So in the same way, the ghouls and haunts tried to get the shining out of Danny in the Overlook, it's like the people that kind of look for that shining in kids, and they cut they fucking kill them, and they inhale their like essence, and it makes them oh. live longer. It's a weird vibe. It's a good flick. I get that vibe because and there they drive and they drive off like this off beaten road into this weird factory and that's where they kill one of the kids. Um life imitating art or art imitating life. When Tool realized that Adam was still breathing, he strangled him to death with a seatbelt, dragged him out of the car, and decapitated him with a machete. Woo! Tool also claimed to have, <clears throat> to have incinerated the body in an old refrigerator. Dude, that's what is horrifying because it's so real that it's fucking horrifying. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can envision You can envisual this piece of shit standing next to this burning fucking refrigerator. You know what I mean? Um, when he returned to Jacksonville, so he, he cut the kid's head off. Um, and then he, after he killed him, I guess he put him back in the, in the rye, in, in the caddy, and he returned to Jacksonville. Uh, he claimed that he wanted to make Adam his adopted son, which is lunatic shit, but that uh but that was not deem- deemed feasible. The source of the blood found in Tool's car could not be identified. The police ultimately lost the bloodstained carpet from the car that 's fucking what he 's talking about yeah like that that 's whatever you deal with small town police that the fucking the only excitement they get is giving somebody like a fucking drunk driving ticket. Like and you throw a murder like a gigantic murder like this in their fucking lap, they can't handle it. they're not equipped. you know what i mean they the the police uh lost the bloodstained carpet from the car. How do you keep the head and lose the carpet? You know what I mean? yeah, that's fucked up of, of course, the question
5: i have have is and is okay, he incinerated the body in a refrigerator, you said right, yeah then why didn't he put the head in there with the body? It doesn't make any sense.
2: He probably wanted it as a trophy. Most crazy killers are weird like that, hence why they're strangling and killing six-year-old kids.
5: Yeah, but, I mean, if he wanted it as a trophy, then why is it we didn't find it, like, in his house or something, but found it in, like, a friggin', you know, thrown away?
2: It was... Probably, my guess was probably in his house for a little bit, and when the heat got a little too heavy with the publicity of the the, the situation, he probably got rid of the evidence.
5: Well, I mean, I I would no I would normally say if if I mean from what yeah. I've read and what I've seen, or dealing with serial killers and and that kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. If, for example, if we're going with the idea, he cut off the head as a trophy. Yeah. Okay. There's nothing in the world that would make him throw away his trophy. I mean, that's that's what a lot of downfall with a lot of serial killers is that they have such a connection to their trophies that even if they know the cops are coming down to them, I mean, they they would not. I mean, maybe they'll bury it or try to hide it so they can come back to it at a later time, but just disposing of the head or something like that if it was supposed to be a trophy I don't think it really works out in like I said in that kind of scenario now right. I mean like I mean if, if he did incinerate the body like they said and the head wasn't a trophy just something he ended up doing I mean I would assume that uh, he would have tossed the head in there to be incinerated as well now if we're going with the idea that it's supposed to be a trophy of his I have a hard time believing that he just decided, oh, uh, I'm I'm (laughs) going to dispose of it and just toss it in the water. I'm Like you said, I mean, that's... I
2: I disagree with you on the trophy thing where I do think that freedom is more important than the trophy, like if it really comes down to it.
5: You'd be surprised. There's so many things that I've read where that no matter... They they have such... Yes, I've read. I've read. I actually do read books, dude. No, I, I wasn't. That.
2: I wasn't questioning that. I was questioning your involvement in things.
5: <laughs> Funny, but anyway, a lot of things that I've read and also watched yeah. is the fact that a lot of these. Um, I mean, the reason they have these trophies is, is such a like a psychological uh, attachment to them yeah. that they can't really, you know, shiver that attachment. So they find unique ways of, like, sometimes either keeping in the house or finding a lock so they can relive what they've done. I mean, that's that's one of the big things for the trophies for the serial killers. So if if this was another, you know, grabbing the head for a trophy kind of thing, I would, I would actually assume and expect that they would... Not just toss it aside, like oh, it's it's evidence. And then, of course, if they were going to do that, they, I would assume that they would be a little bit more careful than just tossing it in, in the river. I'm like, oh, you yeah, know, they'll take care of the evidence of what I had just done.
2: Well, if he, keep, well, if you burn the body, that keep, keep might keep the head because, like, dental records might be the only way to identify who it is. Then then you then
5: I mean heck if you already have no problem cutting off a six year old head, I would assume that you would not have a problem with destroying the teeth. I I, I don't even want to go there, Bob. I don't even want to go uh, there.
2: I'm, I, here, I'm, I'm here.
5: just saying. I mean not I'm here. not I mean I'm not making light of this. I'm just saying no. that I mean, it's just that some of this stuff just doesn't make sense to me from what I've read. I mean heck, I might be totally wrong. Maybe wow. I I missed something, but I mean like wow, I said, a- going with what I've heard and read and, and watched, I
2: mean you know We're also we're also making the mistake of thinking there's any rhyme or reason to a psychopath's actions. <laughs>
5: see, see that's the thing. That's why a, a lot of people like to just chop it off. That
2: no pun Just
5: crazy. There's no real reason behind it. There's no rationalization. But I mean, you'd be surprised when you look at a lot of the uh, serial killers that have been picked up and, and arrested throughout the uh, the uh, years, the decades, and all that. They always have reason. I mean, it's it might be the most messed up, psychologically damaged, fucked up reason ever, but they always have a reason for what they do. And in their mind, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense to any normal, rational human being, but in their fucked up mentality, it makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, just chopping it off like, oh, they're crazy, there's no sense to what they do. I mean, there's always... A, uh, a a reason behind what they do, and they uh, a lot of times they have it already figured out. That's right. why so many of them, you know, get along with doing what they've done for so long.
2: So not not only do they lose the bloodstained carpet from the car, they also lost the machete that was supposed to be used, and they eventually lost the actual fucking car. I don't know how they pull that off.
5: Oh, okay, okay. Now now we're getting to a point where you know. Either these are by far the dumbest, uh, uh, you know, town cops ever, or whether there's there's maybe the person who's really involved in this, you know, might have higher connections. True. Because, I mean, come on. I mean, it's no matter what du- uh, uh, hick town outfit you have, but you, you're losing the car, you're losing the, uh, the carpet, and you're losing the machete. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry. There has to be something more going on. It's Either you got the dumbest bunch of cops you could ever find, or someone's pulling the strings.
2: Yeah, no, I'm with you. You know, you also got a, uh, you know, uh, Tool was, was friendly with the convicted serial killer, Henry Lee Lucas, who I believe killed his mother and maybe two or three other people. I think around 1983, year of my birth, um, and the Henry Lee Lucas or H.L. they call him, um, repeatedly confessed and then retracted accounts of his involvement in the situation. I almost feel like it was more that tool dude's an idiot, like a dummy, like a fucking... Yeah, dude.
4: he's like actually mildly—they call him mildly retarded.
2: Yeah, he's got like but,
4: an IQ of 70 and shit. He was sexually abused growing up. He, all that happy stuff.
2: Yeah. You know, tra- tragedy comes from tragedy. You know what I mean? So his, his life was fucking a horror show. It doesn't justify what he did. But... No,
4: I feel like that Lucas guy definitely had some influence over him.
2: Oh, yeah. Even, even if they were just friendly. like that mm-hmm. Lucas oh, they, were,
4: they were in a sexual relationship.
2: Yes, I heard that, yeah. Yes. They, um... And Lucas is is more... They're both kind of like... They're both kind of like... Not
4: they're both fucked. They, they weren't, they, not, they, they weren't
2: they A students, they both weren't. Yeah,
4: they, they met in a uh, soup kitchen, I believe. Really? Yes, well, hold on. Uh, t- 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 yeah, in 1976, Tool met Henry Lee Lucas at a Jacksonville soup kitchen, and they soon yeah. developed a sexual relationship. Uh, Tool later claimed to have accompanied Lucas in 1008 murders, sometimes at the behest of a cult called the Hands of
2: Death. Wow.
4: police police however discounted the uncorroborated claim of the cult's existence
2: well of course if they haven't found them the hands of death is a great fucking name I will give them that uh, that should be a band name that's the hands of death <laughs> well you know it,
5: it's better than their first name which was uh, the foot of uh, uh, dismemberment
2: <laughs> that's awful yeah I know Um Tool was never never charged in Adam's case, although he provided seemingly accurate descriptions as to how he committed the crime. Several witnesses also placed him in the Hollywood area in the days leading up to Adam's disappearance. In September 1996, he died in prison of cirrhosis uh, at the age of 49. Now, that's a liver thing, right?
4: Cirrhosis, yeah.
2: Of the, and is that from drinking, or is that from multiple things?
4: Multiple things, but okay. drinking is like a leading cause. A
2: big deal. With the, uh, at the age of 49, while serving a life sentence for other crimes, later his niece told John Walsh that he made a deathbed confession to Adam's murder. His confession was viewed as unreliable, as he and Lucas confessed to or implicated themselves in more than 200 homicides. Most of Lucas's confessions were later revealed to have been false, having been coerced by the Texas Rangers. Mm. So they just wanted to put a a face to the evil.
4: Chuck Norris been fucking these guys over?
2: Yeah. uh, Not Chuck Norris. I think it's Jared Padalecki now. Yeah. That was the time when uh, Texas Ranger was a a big-time show around this time. Hell, yeah. They had big. They had a big ego problem. The um, 1997 Hollywood Police Chief Rick Stone. So it's weird, real quick, to go back to that thing about the Rangers. You know, coerce. He's been coer- coercing with the Texas Rangers, uh, which I don't is a hockey team. The hmm. um, so, like, right there, the police are showing a little bit of some corrupt shit, and then it kind of does make you wonder why that that evidence was lost.
4: They had a lot of evidence to be losing.
2: It's like the whole fucking case is lost. It's an entire car. The only, reason why, the only reason why the head never got lost is because nobody wanted to touch the bag. dude. You know what I mean? In 1997, Hollywood Police Chief Rick Stone conducted an exclusive inter- <laughs> review of Adam's case after the release of John's book. At the time, Stone was 22-year-old veteran of the Dallas, Texas, and Wichita, Kansas, police departments. I didn't know you could be a part of both. I thought it was one or the other and had been appointed Hollywood's chief of police in the previous year. Although the crime happened 16 years before the time of his review, he provided an analysis of the evidence, including a review of taped interrogations of tool by Hollywood detective Mark Smith. Uh, Stone says that his review found evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that tool murdered Adam. Stone noted that both Toole and Lucas were notorious for confessing the crimes that they had committed uh, and then recanting them. It's probably a part of an insanity plea that they were going for.
4: Yeah.
2: In 2007, according to allegations that earned widespread publicity, Jeffrey Dahmer, who was arrested in Wisconsin in 1991 after killing more than a dozen men and boys, was also named as a suspect in Adam's murder. That's very interesting. I've never heard that aspect of it, of Dama being involved. Dama's a weird case where he, you know, did a... Like, if you sit like the... It's crazy because you see all these horrendous fucking people that do these wild things, and then when they actually sit them down in front of cameras, like, half of them come off as normal people, which is the scary part. Yeah. And Dama's one of those dudes that would drill fucking drill into his lover's heads, put acid in it, make them zombies so they could be sex slaves. When they was done with them, kill them and eat them and keep their body parts in a refrigerator and a vat of fucking acid in his living room. And when you watch this dude in an interview, it could be your fucking neighbor. You know what I mean? Yeah. It could be the dude standing behind you in the grocery line. He's Dama was a weird case where he came in. He's kind of had that Ted Bundy vibe where like once they got him, he was like, "All right, I'm a bad person. Let me try and let me try and like teach you guys why I'm a bad person. Like I know that um, Ted Bundy blamed porno. Like pornography <laughs> is supposedly what was corrupting the youth the youth the mind of the youth, and was his reason why he had to go kill women. And um, Dama was blaming something. I I don't quite remember what it was, but it wasn't his parents because I remember him distinctively." like, interview with him and his father sitting down, and he was like, you know, he's like, you know, it's not you guys' fault, you were good parents and stuff like that, and I apologize, you know, to you guys for doing it. Wild shit. It's almost like a moment of fucking temporary insanity or something these people go through. You know, the Columbine kid, um, Eric Harris, one of them, he, he in a note that he left, it was... um you know he said that, like don't blame his parents, they were good parents. I was just a really fucked up person um, which is kind of like it, it kind of plays into like current events a little bit with today how there was a there's just recently a school shooting, and they're 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 charging like the parents as well as the kid, all of them with like mm-hmm. a, like a fucking charge, which is a very interesting turn of events because in a way, like yeah, I guess you could if you crack down on the parents more to, um, you know, not you know, don't leave guns around. And I guess there was warning signs that he put up. I guess they had like text messages of the mother texting the kid and being like, "We didn't, we don't care what you did." Like, come back and like made a joke, very mm. weird stuff. Uh, I thought they were gonna find them dead. They were missing for a little bit, and I thought they were gonna kill themselves off. You know what I mean? But if they end up going to jail for it, it'll be a weird we could say we were we were alive to see that change because if it works and what I mean by works, if they put' them in jail, then you're gonna see a lot more of it and um dude it's gonna be it's gonna be weird because you'll get to points where they'll probably you your parents will kill kids at one point because they won't they'll be they, when they realize their kids are gonna do this they'll, they'll be like, uh, there'll be a scuffle and they'll fight, they'll fight for their life type deal. It's a weird, it's definitely a weird deal. It almost leans into the Charlie Manson thing where Charlie supposedly never killed anybody. He just told people to kill. And because of that, he was kind of, you know, accused of it as well. It's the same thing with the parents where they didn't do the murder, but they kind of, they grew up this evil spawn kid to do this, so to speak. But when you read, like I just read that book on Columbine and the thing with Derek Harrison, it's like, he was just a fucked up kid who said he came from a great life. So it's like, you could give your kid the best life. Kids are so fragile and delicate to begin with. Like one little thing could fucking send them off. And if you don't do something right, you can send them off in a weird direction. It's crazy. But it's interesting that they're taking it that far. I mean, the school shootings are enough of a problem, of course, but it's very interesting that they're actually, uh, you know, going to be putting parents on trial, which I don't really know where I feel how I feel about that, or which side of the argument I stand on that one. What are you going to say, Huck?
5: Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to admit that I actually stand on the side that um, – the parents should definitely be held accountable.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
5: and I understand that, you know, you can be a parent to try to do everything that you can, and your kid, for whatever reason, ends up being a monster. But here's here's the thing. Um, and what I've, I've seen with some of the... Um, uh, kind of like a, a trend I noticed with some of these... Um, Crazies that have gone to shoot up schools or other atrocities is that the parents some of the parents could be dumbly uh, nice great but they don't uh, have spend enough uh, time with attention on their kids and uh, and I'm not talking about neglecting the kids but not watching out for the warning signs and the That's thing is there are times when the warning signs are so blatant that mm-hmm. that it's it's obvious that they're there. But the parents just, I mean, like they're like, oh, he, boys will be boys, or you know, it's like so, you know, oh, it's just roughhousing. It's it's just a video game. He's just uh, ev- everything. That, I mean, he's just acting out. That's that's okay. He'll grow out of it. I mean. That kind of response to a lot of kids, I feel like, leads to this kind of mentality. I also know um, people who have, like, the the only kind of interaction their children have is, like, daycare. While not saying everyone who goes to daycare is going to come out as a crazy sociopath, but I also know that there's a bunch of kids that if they're on the line, when when you're thrown in a situation where you don't have someone who has a vested interest in your well-being, that, you know, they can very easily go on on a different path. Because, I mean, when you're kind of put in a situation, it's kind of like Lord of the Flies, where you have kids acting out as kids act out, but aren't getting the right um, kind of uh, boundaries that they should be given by their parents. And I have a question I said, for you. Yep. Let's
2: say we have a kid who home life is perfect. They go to school. They're tormented at school to no end for no reason of their own just because so-and-so doesn't like them. And now it's a group of people because so-and-so is friends with this group of people. Um, and every day of going to school is hell, where they would almost want to kill themselves than go to school. And they tell their parents that, and the parents, they reach out to the school, and they tell the school, look, you got to do something about this, all right? And the school does nothing, you know what I mean? Or maybe in school, while they're tormenting this kid, this kid goes, you fucking with me again, I'm going to kill you. And there was a meeting called in and now the the, now the school takes notice and they bring the parents in and go, look, what's, you know, we got an issue here. And they go, yeah, well, we've been telling you, you know, there's an issue and you got, you're there. We're not there. You need to do it. And this continues to build up. Now the kid's getting pressure at home, but he's getting fucking destroyed in school. And that kid goes in and kills a kid. Is, are those parents at fault?
5: Okay. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> I, I see the smug look on your face. Like, aha, I got well, it. There's two sides to every story.
2: And I hear where you're yes, coming from. Yes. I hear where yes, you're coming yes, from.
5: Yes, there are two sides. Now, the thing is, the first side, of what I was talking about, is, but also mm. that the school system itself mm-hmm. should be also held accountable yeah. for the shootings.
2: It's a community thing. I hate to say that, but it really. A community raises a kid. It does. Yes. Yes. once it gets out of the children's stage of at home, and it starts to intermesh with community and school and shit, yeah. uh, community, I think, needs to be nicer to each other. And that you know, teach your kids not to bully other kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Shit like that, until that's the only way you're gonna get somewhere. Okay. Uh, All yeah.
5: right. Now the thing is, like I said, I was going on with saying how parents should definitely be held accountable for uh, their children. But also on the other aspect, that the schools where this happens, Okay, there has to be a very uh, uh, poignant probe to look at. Because I know, I talked to a friend of mine who was a teacher for a few years and decided to leave. Now, she told me that one of the things that she learned was that if go uh, that if a teacher's walking down and two kids are fighting, that teacher will turn around and go into a classroom and ignore it. Now the reason why is because unless the teacher is tenure, if they lay a hand on the kid to stop a fight, just push them aside, they can be uh attacked for, you know, like um uh, like touching a student and, and that kind of stuff. Now, here's the thing, okay? Every school that a school shooting has happened, there's a breakdown of two things. Uh, usually it is uh, a problem at home and also a problem at school, okay? Right. Now, like Matt has pointed out, there's sometimes, you know, uh, kids uh, beat up on other kids. Their mom and dad tries to do everything that they can try to deal with the school system. And, of course, the school system only seems to react if, like, one kid, you know, threatens the other. And sometimes they don't even bother to look at, why did that kid threaten the other kid? If the kid gets um, bullied and picked on continuously by the other kids, of course he's trying to think of something to make them stop. Yeah. And, of course, the violence usually is it. And then, of course, here's this kid also being attacked by the school system, like, well, we don't want him because he's a troublemaker, but not going after the kids that actually caused the problem to begin with. And the thing is that, unfortunately, when uh, you get to this system, the the school system okay, is, is a broken down system and has not been able to or even – because no one wants to put money into the school system to fix the issue, which is – you have so many kids and so few teachers, but the teachers aren't given the ability to try to stop some of this situation. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, if a kid is beating up another kid or harassing another kid, it's the teacher's job at that point to step in. If you can't do that or aren't allowed to do that, that's where school shootings happen because everyone has a breaking point. Yeah. If if you go into school and you're constantly tormented and all... I mean, I was bullied a lot as a kid. And the thing is, I know there were a lot of times where I thought the only way to stop the constant bullying was to either beat up uh, the other kid or do something drastic to stop them, to get them away. But the thing is, they there weren't any like teachers jumping up to you know try to stop the situation. They just teach their classes, and then run away and hide and let us deal with all the other crap. Right. So the thing is that we need a two-pronged attack to stop school shootings, okay? We need the schools to stand up and also the parents to stand up for both of their responsibilities. And if a school shooting happens at a school, both the school itself, everyone involved in a hierarchy and also the parents of the kids involved, both of them, have to be looked at extremely and see where this situation came from. Could it have been stopped and where the breakdown was and fix that breakdown? Yeah. Right? That's the situation. That's what has to be done. But the thing is that no one wants to take the time or the money to do that on the school side, and they're like, well, you know, if if a kid says those key words, then, okay, punish that kid, throw him out, and be fine. but not even bothering with the the uh, situation that caused that kid to react in that violent manner. Right. And the thing is that being an older person, after going through all those years, one of those things that my mom always taught me was, sticks and stones will break my bones, but woods will never hurt me. great
2: nursery rhyme I don't know how much reality it has but there's a great nursery rhyme but
5: but the thing is that the basis of that is that you you have that when when people attack you I mean everyone's going to uh, attack you one way or another verbally and you have to learn how to deal with it and sometimes some kids are able to deal with it better than others it's a horrendous and terrible thing, and it should not be an issue anywhere, right but then again, those kind of things break down, and then it escalates yeah so the thing is that both the school system and the parents have to find a way because I know when I was a kid, you know my mom was constantly you know getting involved in the school system and all that, trying to be involved to know what's going on, and there were so many times where the teachers would say, "Oh yeah, um, your son is not that smart. I'm sorry, but he's he's borderline retarded." Okay, really? So, yeah, that's that's what, I, uh, what fuck I a fucking lawsuit right? on your
2: hands, brother.
5: That's and, and, and they're like, you know, the thing is that you know we ask him to do something, you know, he doesn't do that. You know, we just have to take it easy on him. And, of course, the fact is that being a kid, what they would tell me is like, okay, we want you to do this. But if you don't want to do it, it's okay, you know. And, of course, as a kid is I don't want to, you know, color in the lines. I don't want to do that. I'd rather play do my own thing. So as a kid, I didn't do those things because I did not have a strong structure saying, okay, this is how things have to be done. Yeah, And, of course, my mom would take it upon me to teach me how to do cursive, how to color within the lines, how to tell time on a, a, uh, uh analog clock. And, of course, the school system wouldn't because they had already deemed that because I wasn't socializing well with the other kids, because I wasn't doing all my work to the way they expected, I was mentally slow. Yeah. And of course, my mom knew I wasn't slow. I was just lazy. Okay, (laughs) and the thing is that that that's why when I came home, she you know forced me to learn all the stuff that the school system would not, because they don't give a crap. Okay, true. The school system never does. And the fact is that the school system should also be on lockdown by. When a school shooting happens, they should, I may, start looking at the very top of that, that uh, the school all the way to the bottom to see where the problem is because they're also about half of the problem for why the school shooting happened there.
2: Yeah, I uh, I had the worst, one of the worst teachers in, 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 in the world, uh, Miss Bumpus it was an English teacher, and uh, I remember she made me stand outside her class. And I wasn't allowed to go into the class. I had to stand outside the door, not because I did anything, because she thought I was gonna do something. And I wasn't allowed back into that classroom until I had a meeting with her and the guidance counselor and my parents and in that meeting she told everybody she don't like me. And I remember seeing my mom and the guidance counselor's face go, Huh? Because you ain't supposed to say that shit out loud. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um yeah, she's like a she was a teacher that I think when she was in high school, nobody liked her, and she had no friends, so I think she became a teacher so she could be have the upper hand and actually have high yeah. school friends at one point in her life, even though she was way too old for that shit, and I think that that is a big problem with teachers, where only a small percentage of them want to be fucking stand and deliver, you know what I mean, They only a small percent of them actually care about, it's like, you got doctors and cops and stuff like that will go into it for the money aspect, but not exactly... The helping what their job is supposed to do type deal, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I in, the I question that, probably, yeah. in the sense of that, though, it can be more than teachers. I mean, more than students <laughs> hard times. You can go, you could have to deal with horrendous students as well as horrendous teachers. Yeah. And that's why those students and teachers usually catch bullet holes, but... It's one of those things, you know what okay, I mean? Okay, I, I got a question for you. Yeah. What grade was she? She was high school. It
5: was... Um, Ooh, I right? got you beat. I got you beat. Kindergarten. My kindergarten teacher. Yep. Don't, don't, she was the devil. She She did not she like me at all. Because you broke her
2: heart and you stopped fucking her. Ooh, <laughs> Ouch. No, but anyway, get I'll, I'll
5: never hero. forget that she. Um, I forget there was a point kindergarten where...
2: said you were stupid in kindergarten. Yeah, we should be making movies off of her fucking pension. Why don't? Why didn't your mother sue this lady? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but the thing is that she go uh, find her it, and fucking kill yeah, her. Yeah,
5: this is this is starting kindergarten. Okay, I went in. Uh, I yes. remember there was a point where you know. Uh, I think kids stole my glasses and of course I was crying and she like told me don't don't be like a wussy don't don't cry you mm. know or something like that. Uh there was an I forget Did all Did you the take her advice? Well, I was a dumb little kid. Of hey, course well, I didn't like, take her
2: advice. I hey, cried like
5: it. a little baby because I was. Blame her for I for saying in to
2: No, it, I think that's a big part of it too. We'll get back into the the Walsh thing but Across the board, I think bad teachers, you know, there's good, te- you know, there's a big cry out for how they need to be paid more and stuff. And the good teachers, I think, need to be paid more and treated better because those mold people's lives before they go off. But the yeah. bad teachers really need to be fucking weeded out because they're fucking up people's heads. And when they leave, you know, you're still in that growth process through high school. And another thing with high school is like it's sad that, it's like a four-year prison term for some people, and they, yes, can't, yes. they can't think outside of those four years. That's when you hear horrifying stories of kids that take their life and stuff, and it's like, if only they knew when those four years were over, you never fucking... I see Jonathan, but for the most part, you never see any of those people ever again, and anybody that you had beef with, you never have to deal with them again, and you start a new life almost, and I wish more teens knew that that do drastic things, because... It's so sad when you hear about people not making out of high school. If they only held yeah. on a little bit longer to get out, it's a whole new world. And yeah, it's such it's not, such yeah.
4: a minuscule portion of your it, life. It
2: really is. But when you're living it, it's like everything. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's funny because I mean,
5: I was in the same situation in high school, and one of the things that got me through it, and what has gotten me through most of the times when I have depression is uh, what's causing the depression I know is a limited amount of time. Like you said, high school, it's a prison term, four years. But I knew I knew that after the four years, I never have to deal with them again. I never have to see them again. And even when I got in college and I I had issues, I was like, that's another four years. When I'm done, I'll never have to deal with them again. I never have to talk to them again. And unfortunately, like you said, a lot of, uh, kids you know can't seem to see f- forward to the point that you know it's only four years, and they're like, this is my entire life if I don't make the team if I'm not part of the popular kids or and the thing is I understand being a kid, you know being you know bullied and pushed around that you know every single day you know it's tough i mean yeah. to go in but unfortunately it's it's one of those things that I, no matter what happens, we have to deal with. And I wish I could say that you know you got to deal with the world we have, not uh, not the world that we wish it was.
2: Yeah.
5: I mean it's, and the thing is, if we want to make it better, as I said before in prior episodes, okay, we can live in a paradise, but we as a species do not want a
2: paradise.
5: We hate the idea of paradise. We want pain. We want hell. Because we make it that way. If we all just decide to work together, no one tries to hurt each other, try to build something. Build like, uh, you know, uh, 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 bring our, you know, the species to a whole nother level of existence and all that, almost Star Trek level. We gotta work together. But the thing is, everyone wants to be the one in the winning chair. Everyone wants to be the the Bezos or the you know the other or the Elon Musk's who you know have all these this money and can do whatever they want. Um, but the truth is that only very few people will ever get that. Mm. But the thing is that if we all just work together, I mean, yeah, there'll always be those that are more successful or have more money. But if we as a society decide to actually try to benefit and help our children, try to make the school system better instead of, you know, siphoning off money to put towards prisons and other stuff. I mean, heck, if we made the school system better, we would not need prisons. If we put the money that we put in prisons into the school system, things would be a lot better. Because if you put the money in the in our children and work with them and try to uh, help them become the best individuals that they can be, then we would not need prisons. But then again, if we did that, those that make billions upon prison systems will lose their
2: billions. And that's why we are in the situation we are in. I had to do five years on bad behavior in high school. They made me stay back. I got fucking in freshman year, I got I failed that fucking horrible teacher's class because of shit like that. And then there was a science teacher, Sean might remember this, science teacher that failed everybody. I forget, it was a dude, I forget his name, but he failed fucking everybody. So much so they fired him, I believe, over it.
4: Yeah, no, he failed me and I uh, ended up ganking like a graphic calculator. I was like, (laughs) fuck you, this shit's coming home with me then.
2: Fuck yeah, <laughs> they can't. But they can't. They, they that was part of the like the failure that made me stay back. Me and me and Jonathan joined the football team in hopes of them letting us slide in the fucking sophomore year. They let both of us joining up. They only let one of us through. We'll say that. Oh jeez. Yeah, and
4: literally, <laughs> I I turned in all my equipment the week after.
2: <laughs> I remember that. Like, I was yeah, like here you go. <laughs> yeah, I quit. Oh, like, I quit shortly after. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck them. <laughs> so b- back to Walsh here. Um, you know, Dama, Jeffrey Dama, 1991, Jeffrey Dama is called the, uh, Dama's father called America's most wanted hotline soon after his son's arrest to claim that he believed that his son was a pedophile. So whether he just thinks that because his son was into weird shit or if he actually found evidence of it is interesting. I know Dama was living in Miami Beach at the time of Walsh's murder and the two eyewitnesses placed him at the mall on the day that Adam was abducted. One claimed to have seen a strange man walking into the toy department. The other said that he saw a young boy, blonde with a protruding chin, throw a struggling child into a blue van and speed off. I assume pedophiles would stick together because they have the same interest, so to speak. Um, both witnesses recognized the man they had seen as Dama when pictures of him were released in the newspapers after his arrest. Now, Dama is like the least creepy of the three people that we brought up so far, Lucas and fucking Tool and Dama. He's the more normal-looking one. Lucas and Tool look like fucking monsters. They look like human fucking monsters. You know what I mean? And kids, I don't care what the fuck they're offering kids. I don't think kids are hopping in the ride with them. But Dama is more more comforting-looking. And there's already two stories of Tool offering him candy and, and the kid getting in the car. And then Dahmer actually shoving the kid in the car. So there's two stories with that. Um, Reports revealed that the delivery shop where Dahmer worked had a blue van at the time. He preyed on young men and boys, the youngest being eight years older than Adam. So there's not really that much of a big age difference. And I feel like shit like that, like the perversion and depravity, it's kind of like a, I think it starts at like almost an innocent, innocent, maybe not innocent, but like a not so crazy level, like maybe porn. And then you work into violent porn and then it goes into something darker and you got to keep feeding this fucking monkey on your back. And then you eventually get to fucking a horrible place with it. And I think that, uh, I think it's more that than like a sickness. People like to say they're born with it, but I think it's a slow perversion, fucking dementia, demented fucking way of thinking that like comes into play. You know what I mean? Well, I think it's a combination of both. I mean,
5: they, people like to talk about it, uh, uh, nature versus nurture, you know, what creates, you know, these kind of features. But then again, I believe it's always a combination of both because, I mean, uh, for a perfect example, um, sociopaths that seem to have no emotion or, or uh, kind of emotion connection with people, there are those that become serial killers, but there are those that become, you know, bankers, that become, you know, what we consider upstanding citizens. They have the same kind of mentality. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, you you never want to get on a spreadsheet with them. But uh, that of their counterparts there, but then again, you know, usually if you look at those who have, you know, these sociopathic tendencies and then they are either preyed upon or whether they, you know, experience something horrendous early in their life that kind of pushes them towards more of, you know,
2: you know, these horrendous acts. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Odama's practices, I mean, he all, he cut a lot of heads off as well himself. He yeah. severed heads and if, you know.
5: In now, the refrigerator
2: now, and shit, no.
5: Okay, now the question I have, him cutting off the heads, Yeah. okay? Did he dispose of the heads? Did he keep them as trophies? I, I don't yeah. remember. They're in his refrigerator. I know some of
2: them are in it. He, he, he fucking, when they, when they kicked in his doors, which there's a weird conspiracy that he was protected by the government, which is a crazy one we'll get into one of these days, maybe. But um, when they kicked in his door, his, friger- his freezer was filled with body parts. He had a vat of acid, That had body that had like multiple bodies dissolving in it, and I believe there was a fucking hacked up, half hacked up body in his bathtub that he was like eating from. Not not when they walked through the door, but hacking off a little meat and then cooking it or doing whatever he did with it. So like his uh, his fucking apartment was like a horror show. And anybody that knows the Dama story, dude, there was one of his victims that. After he got his fucking brain drilled out and zombified, like stumbled out into the into the streets and police actually found him. They found the dude fucked up. And Dama ran over and was like, that's just my boyfriend. He's all fucked up. Let me take him home. And they were like, all right. And he took him home and he fucking killed him. And like it was that close to being caught. It was crazy. Um, when he was interviewed by uh, about Adam Walsh in 1992, Dahmer repeatedly denied his involvement in the crime, even stating, I've told you everything, how I killed them, how I cooked them, who I ate. Why wouldn't I tell you if I did it to someone else? After this rumor surfaced, John Walsh stated that he had been, uh, he had seen no evidence linking Adam's abduction and murder to those that were committed by Dahmer. Now, there's another thing I want to say about Dahmer real quick. You know, FBI agent Neil Patel interviewed Dahmer about Adam's case, the killer denying any connection at all to the crime. But he did say this, you know, Neil, uh, you said anyone who killed Adam Walsh could not live in any prison ever. Um, so that you could almost take that you could either say, That's why I won't admit to it, because I'll be fucking killed in prison. And maybe he talked, and maybe that's why he got killed in prison. People say he got killed in prison because he was so, he became so famous and like a celebrity. And other inmates don't like that, When you you know what I mean? And that's how he got did in. And he got did in pretty, I think he either got, I know he got a broom handle. He got killed with a broom handle. He got beat with it. Um, I don't know if it went into him. In any way, I'm guessing it probably did. Um, but I believe that he got beat over the head with the broom handle till he died. That was his deal. Um, but that, you know, police had, they had another suspect, and that was Otis Toole. So Dahmer and Otis Toole were both being suspected of this around the same time. And now Toole was already in prison by 1983 for murder when he admitted to cutting off the child's head with the machete. He would later deny the confession on tape, but a 91 tool admitted to the murder once again. Detectives found blood in his vehicle, but DNA tests could not prove it was Adams. You know, because after a time, I think, when blood dries up, I think it slowly starts to lose its its uh, mojo. So I felt like if he could go back and forth, he could almost express his guilt and free his conscience and soul of the act, but then rewind, like rewind flip it back so you know, plenty of time would pass where the evidence is no good. And, like, the the Walsh case is definitely, you know, the evidence got fucked with, and that's the biggest problem, I think, with him, nobody ever knowing what happened, is because all the evidence got tampered with, which I'd like to know the names of the people that fucked up on that, because they could have some type of weird involvement in it as well.
5: Yeah, I mean, mean, the thing is that... um... I mean, things happen, uh, and and it could simply be no, uh, no, like not being on purpose. But when you have three major aspects that they disappeared, it's not like they were in the evidence room and the evidence, uh, like the water main broke and then destroyed all the evidence or anything like that. That's when things, you know, get. It iffy and I'd be like, you know, something's going on here because, I mean, when you, I mean, and one of them being a car, I mean it's kind of like,
2: and every, all the evidence was bagged, everything's bagged, so even if water main break, it wouldn't have gotten, you know what I mean? It wouldn't have got ruined. May, a rug, if a rug wasn't bagged up, it'd get ruined. But like, all that shit's put in ba- evidence bags. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm just going throw it like, in a
2: pool. You could, yeah. you could throw it in a pool and it would supposedly still be good fucking a week later, you know?
5: Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, it's when you have have the rug, you have, have the, the machete, and you have the car all disappearing with evidence. And yet they still are able to hold on to the head, which, I mean, it's
2: kind of like something, something just does gel right for me. No, I'm with you on that, dude. Uh, it's very Dama being brought into it's a very interesting take because it does kind of line up with you know uh, his father accused him of being a pedophile. But then again, this is a, this has come from a time where just being gay, I think, would be the father or whoever would just automatically say he's like the worst sexual deviant in the world. You know what I mean? This is from a time when it ain't 2021. You know what I mean? Things were are more accepted now than they were back then, and people would demonize you know anything that was was out of the norm back then and uh the father could have felt in his heart that you know oh i feel this and i gotta do the right thing and say this type deal and maybe maybe him trying to clear their family name a little bit might be why he stepped forward yeah. with it because that you you don't you after the after 1991 you ain't walking around the world with the last name dama and not getting some yeah. questions you know what i mean <laughs>
5: Well, also another thing uh, that you can definitely uh, kind of jump with, uh, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, yeah. thinking that Dahmer was the one who actually did it, yeah, is is the fact that. Um, now, what was the youngest person he supposed that he killed?
2: Uh, Eight years older than, than Walsh, who was six, so fourteen. So, 14. Okay.
5: Uh, which, I mean, you can argue because also the fact that um, uh, Adam was pushed out, um, it wasn't like it was a planned thing. So, if it's say, for argument's sake, Dharma's walking down uh, and he sees him, it's it's not a planned encounter, not a planned abduction, but a... Um, kind of like uh, impulse abduction, where, you know, he's going by, he sees this kid. Now, the thing is, uh, 14 is the youngest he's ever gone, but maybe he's always had that kind of thing, but, you know, in his messed up mind, it's like, well, the youngest I've gone is 14, but, you know, in his mind, being 14, you're still a teenager going into adulthood, so that's okay in his mind, not saying it is, Right. But in his mind, that it's like, well, you know, I'm I'm a bad person. I'm a deviant. I I attack, you know, uh, men and boys from 14 and up. Mm. But I mean, when when you're dealing with a kid that's six, I mean, that is definitely a kid. You can't argue that there was some kind of romantic interaction or some kind of missed signals. I mean, but maybe he's always had kind of that thing and. He sees this kid and he has that impulse of like, I could just grab this kid and, you know, go on. And then he does that. And then, of course, maybe that's why he decided to dispose of the head because, you know, I mean, if we're going with his father, you know, coming forward and, you know, demonizing him as a pedophile, it'd probably be the one thing that Dahmer didn't want to give his father credit that he was so he kind of then decided that you know it was like the one thing that he took that he couldn't hang on to for the fact it would prove his father right
2: you also to so, take into consideration maybe they they maybe dama was testing the waters to see if that's something he liked and when he got a taste he didn't like it and just never did it again
5: yeah true true i and mean the thing is one of the things that he said was uh that he didn't like the taste of tattoos. Oh, really? tat- Yeah, he actually said that the tattoo ink, you know, made the uh, the, the meat uh, uh, a very, like, bitter taste or something like that. So,
2: I mean, I after think they, that... I think they say shit like that to ruin the interviewer's life. Because, they, you know what I mean? Like, I think they drop that on him to almost troll people. Because you you have, you in the 90s when you are not, that wasn't you know every you can every horror movie you watch you got people eating people so like back back and then though it was like that was new so when you're telling those some fucking prissy reporter that you eat people that fucking tattoos don't taste good you're going to blow her fucking mind apart you know what i mean mm-hmm.
5: Maybe, maybe. But, I mean, the thing is, like I said, devil's advocate here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you want to go down with the, the Dharma thing and, like, going with what you said, he said, yeah. oh, I admitted to everything else. Why would I not admit to something else I've done? Because maybe for him, because everyone has a line that they either decide they won't cross or won't cross. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, when you're doing horrendous things, you know, at least the impression I always get from reading these things, is mm. that what what they use in their mind to rationalize everything they do, they always have a make-believe line that they're like, I will not cross, right. okay? I will, let's say, kill boys and, and men from 14 up, but I will never do anyone younger than 14 for whatever reason, whether you know it's like, well because anyone younger than 14 is technically a kid and that would be wrong or whether it's some other screwed up reason and then like i said he ends up driving by he sees adam and and like you know the little kid at the at at the register sees a candy bar he wants and he grabs it and that's that's and also the fact that uh, the witness said that he threw the kid in struggling It wasn't like, you know, he had like, oh, little boy, I got candy or a puppy dog and all that. It's kind of like an impulse that, you know, whatever's wrong in his brain was kind of like, I can get this. I can get this candy bar. This one thing I have not yet done and all that. And like you said, when he did it, maybe he decides afterwards that he actually felt bad for what he did and decided to get rid of all evidence of that one act. Or whether you know he, you know, actually had a moment of remorse, like I finally crossed the line that I gave myself, I like, gave me this line, and I crossed it, and you know, and then he goes back to you know doing anyone fourteen and up.
2: Yeah, I
5: mean, like I said, I mean you you won't know. I mean, I, I, unless you were there and all that, and in his mind, but those are possibilities, if you want to go with the idea that, you know, Tool was just, you know, doing that, trying to get some rep, and Dharma was, and like Dharma said, you know, anyone who admit this would not last two minutes in jail, because you know, in his mind that you know, that was too young to go, and Mm -hmm. he decided to go with it, like you said, it was you know, like, maybe he decided well, you know what, maybe I should try it, and then after he didn't realize, no, I had gone too far in his screwed up mentality. And then he decided that after, you know, he did whatever he wanted, he then threw away the head. I mean, like I said, I mean, those are things that I keep on noticing when I watch these documentaries, when I read these books, that uh, they always have an explanation that rationalizes to themselves why they do it and why they they are who who they are. And there's always that one line. They're like, "Well, I don't attack women or children, or I won't I won't kill a dog. I'll yeah. kill anyone else, but I won't kill a dog." Yeah, because there's they always have that one line, like you know, I will you know rescue a dog in in a flood, but I kill women and children and and elderly, anyone else. Right. But I won't hurt an animal. You know, it's... yeah, It's... Like I said, uh, the, the reason these these monsters can, you know, get away with what they do is in their mind that what they're doing is right. They have their own screwed up rationalization why they're doing what they're doing. And in their mind, there's always that one line, the one thing that you know... Or that one person, they're like, you know, I'm, I'm going to uh, grab that one person. And then, you know, like halfway through, they're like, you know what? I won't. I'll let that person live. Not because they're actually being kind or generous. It's because they're like, I let that one person go. And that makes up for all the horrendous things i have done. Because I show compassion to that one person I would normally have grabbed.
2: Yeah, what do you really think about him saying anyone who killed Adam Walsh could not live in any prison ever? You can take that two different ways. You could take that as almost him not wanting. I guess I I would rather have heard him say it to get the context of it, but you could either take that as just, you know, fact, because everybody knows that, you know, supposedly being a pedophile in prison ain't a good deal. Um, But I will say that both both of those gentlemen accused that didn't get killed from violence, Tool had cirrhosis, and fucking Lucas died of heart failure. So it wasn't like they weren't like killed, you know what I mean? Over being what it was. Dama was killed for being what he was, but they weren't. Um, so you could, it's a really a thin line between whether you want to go into that or not. Because it could be him saying, look, I ain't giving up that info because I'll be dead. You know what I mean? Or just being like, well, that's how it is here. I have a question, how long did Dharma survive in prison anyway? Not, like, less than five years, because he, I think, it was, he, they caught him in 91.
5: Yeah.
2: I think he was dead by, I think he died in, like, 93, I want to say, because, but his whole deal was a weird, it was a, it was like his roomie or something like that fucking uh, killed him off. Because it was a jealousy thing, though. I think at least the way that it came off in the meteor is that it was a jealousy thing. November twenty eighth, nineteen ninety four, he died. Mm. Um, he looks a little bit like Jeremy Ty, but they don't act the same. I don't. I hope. <laughs> not. He, um, but yeah, I thought that was a crazy way to do. It. You could kind of take any side of that now. We're going to pop into, like, there's a little bit of positive, you know, the whole situation's super tragic, but, like, some good things came about after it. Um, You know, some children were found, which was, you know, great. The television film Adam premiered on October 10th, 1983. The film was based on Walsh's kidnapping and murder and attracted 38 million viewers on its first airing. Each of its three broadcasts in 83, 84, and 85 were followed by pictures and descriptions of missing children. A hotline was also created to take calls that may have materialized in the leads for investigations. The pictures and hotline were credited with finding 13 of the 55 children shown, which, that's great, you know what I mean? Um, American rapper Busy Bone, uh, who you guys might, anybody out there listening might recognize, from Bone dugs and harmony who recently had a controversy, there was a versus battle between Bone Thugs and 3-6 Mafia, and Busy Bone was the one that started that fight for anybody that ever heard, which makes sense now because Busy Bone, who was abducted by his stepfather as a child, uh, was reunited with his mother after, the, after a neighbor recognized a photo of him during the broadcast. And I don't know for facts, um, me and Alexander seen busy bone at the gathering, he was at the gathering the year we were there, Well we didn't hang out unfortunately um, but I, some, I did hear recently somebody say that he, something happened, like he was, sexually, he was sexually abused as a kid, it didn't say anything here but that's very quite possible um, and it's more reason why he freaked out when that dude told him to suck his dick you know what I mean, like if you're coming from that background and a fucking grown man tells you to suck his dick, it's gonna, you're gonna get more upset than you regularly would, you know what I mean You'd throw a water bottle like Busybone Bone did. Um, now, the laws and organizations that came about for missing children. Uh, in 1984, the U.S. Congress passed the Missing Children's Assistance Act, uh, vowing in part uh, part of the advocacy of the Walshes and the other parents of missing children. It allowed the formation of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which, you know, Kids need fucking protection. And I'm glad that there's organizations out there fighting the good fight to fucking protect them and find them because things happening to kids, whether they get a disease that you can't be stopped or they have terrible people in their life, things happening to kids is fucking the worst thing I could think of. It's horrendous. You know what I mean? It's just not, when you think of things that just aren't fair, it's that, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. It's out of their capabilities. The code, uh, the code Adam program uh, for helping lost children in department stores is named Adams in Adams Memory. Oh, so I guess, yeah, because you, you ever been in a Walmart and they go code orange or code red? You ever hear that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess code Adam is for lost children. So if you ever hear yeah. that.
4: When I worked at Target, that's what a lost kid was. I remember that now. Wow. It was code Adam? Yeah.
2: It's, now you're tying it all together. Do they tell you why or are you figuring it out now? I just completely forgot about it. And that place, I completely blocked it out of my head. Well, that's what I do with work too. <laughs> at the t- at the time of working there, though, do you remember at all if they if they said that it was because of Adam yeah. Walsh?
4: Yeah, I remember they had a uh, like a big
2: meeting about it. A pamphlet. They yes. handed out the pamphlet. They got, they got the pamphlet. It's an, now it's a phone app. They they, they want to Does save it? trees. Now, the U.S. Congress passed the Adam Walsh Child Protection and Safety Act on July 25, 2006, and President George W. Bush signed it into law on the July 27. The signing ceremony took place on the South Lawn of the White House, attended by John and his wife. Uh, the bill institutes a national database of convicted child molesters and increases penalties for sexual and violent offenses against children. It also creates a RICO cause of action for child predators and those who conspire with them. Which I'm happy to hear this because, like I said, there's no, there's no worse. Um, but uh, what was I going to say here? It's good. It's good to get all, like, put them all in a, put them all like keep track of them at least. You know what I mean? Like it's a weird, it's a weird thing. You know they they they're claiming that it's a sickness now and stuff and. I don't know about that, but um, I'm glad at least there's, you know, it, what's sad is it seems like up until 2000, there wasn't even anything. You know what I mean? Um, 1984, they had their National Center of Missing and Exploited Children, of course, but then everything else kind of pops up in the 2000s. You know, Adam, the Adam Walsh uh, Reauthorization Act of 2016, which provides budgetary uh, allotments to continue programs passed in the 2006 Act. It was incorporated into the HR five five seven eight, the Survivors Bill of Rights Act of two thousand sixteen. and was enacted and signed by President Obama on October seventh, two thousand sixteen. It's madness, um, and uh, you know some of you know, the pub- the publicity of this that surrounded Adam's case and the widely watched television movie Adam also created what was described as a mid-1980s panic over stranger abductions, which, like we said in the beginning of the show, I think that's like when, when if you're with a kid and you look and they're not there and that fucking grief and that that worry that you fail immediately, it's because of shit like Adam Walsh, you know what I mean? You think of like, oh my God, I don't, I don't want to be on that statistic list. You know what I mean? It's horrifying. Um, one that may have been out of prop, uh, proportion to the actual numbers, and that has persisted for decades. Richard Moran, a criminologist at Mount Holyoke College, says, the case that created a nation of petrified kids and paranoid parents, kids used to be able to go out and organize a stickball game, and now all play dates and social lives of children are arranged and controlled by the parents. The fear lingers today. You know, when we were in the '90s, this happened early '90s. Like I don't remember the '9 ni- the '90s was still a time of kind of do as you wish. It was a little more crazy. It's not what it is now. It's very for I don't know if it's for better or worse, but everything's really weird now with everything. Um, but I'd rather it be weird than kids missing. You know what I mean? Early estimates of the NCMEC would state that as many as 20,000 children a year were abducted by strangers. That's horrifying. And public, service, bo- wow. yeah. public service spots relayed the uh, perceived danger. A 1985 Pulitzer Prize expose discussed a number gap between the claim number and the, act- the other statistics, such as the FBI investigated a total of 67 abductions by total strangers in 1984. By 1988, Even as the NCMEC lowered annual estimates of stranger abductions by 80%, which is great, early estimates had a life of their own. A 1990 study of child abductions found that 99% of them were family-related. In the 15 years between 2000 and 2015, the number of missing children ultimately killed decreased, partially attributed to the emergence of technology such as mobile phones that allow calls for help. Now, I heard something. In it, I heard something recently. You know, it's kind of foggy, so I don't want to go too deep into it. But I heard there's a that there was a, a weird change in things where, like, they they because like like j- just like people taking kids and molesting them and then letting them free. Um. That changed to once they started cracking down on it, the kids weren't being let free as much anymore because they were now evidence that could convict the people. we back in the back in you know the day, so to speak. It would it was always a big deal, but like it wasn't the I guess the law wasn't cracking down on it, and then it went to a weird place where um, they were just killing the kids after because they didn't want them to talk. And I want to say that I read recently, but I could be wrong, so don't quote me completely on this. But I want to say that recently they did something where they kind of reversed it or something. So I don't know what it is because I'd hate to say that they gave it that it was more lenient. I'd hate to say it was more lenient, but I want to say that it got more lenient. And because of that, there's been not so many kids getting killed after over it, which you can't, fucking, you're killing their mind. You know what I mean? You're killing their fucking mind when you do it, and um, which is just as bad as killing the person I feel. the same thing with any type of rape or sexual type heavy sexual abuse type deal where people don't come back from that shit, you know what I mean, um, no matter the age. and um, yeah, it's kind of a crazy deal. So this was pretty fucking horrifying, but uh, as we as we approach the ending of this. What do you, what are you? What are both of you gentlemen's opinion on Jeffrey Dahmer's involvement in this? I don't. Know. Uh,
4: I don't really know. I. It, yeah,
2: it's tricky.
4: It is tricky. It kind of seems far fetched to me. I feel like these other two uh, pegged for it. Mm. Uh, I feel like that Lucas guy has way more involvement than uh, what's being said here. Yeah. I think he was
2: the brains of the operation.
4: I feel yeah, I honestly do. I feel like he was there when uh he got picked up and he just told his face to keep his mouth shut about everything.
2: I mean, if they were lovers, that's the yeah. thing. Is like if they were lovers and like they were going darker and darker with their 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 sexual appetites, it's very possible that they said, "Look, maybe a little, maybe a kid would be great it's pure you know what i mean or something like that and then they maybe they tried it like we we're talking about with dama maybe they tried it and they didn't like it so they you know that was only one they only did one and they just went back to you know regular murders or whatever they did because i do I mean, feel like they would test people would test the waters
4: Yep. yeah on another note um one of the older guys that i work with at the bakehouse i work at uh Jeffrey Dama worked the floor below, below him at the cookie factory.
2: Really? Yeah. Did he have any I'm not experience? eating those cookies anymore.
4: I think it was Dunkin' Cookies
2: at the time. That's not the cookie factory that rapper just got shot at a couple weeks ago, was it?
4: I don't believe so.
2: That's crazy, dude. To to work with Dama. I wonder, did he know him, or he just kind of knew that he was in the same building?
4: He wasn't allowed to talk to me about it. I was really? so fucking pissed. Yeah, I guess he, showed, uh, he signed some sort of NDA after he left
2: weird we gotta break that and have him on the show
4: that's what, uh he's deaf
2: not just in the hip-hop sense but he's not a just deaf.
4: in yeah i mean for the most part he's a good guy though
2: of course dude I, a lot of deaf people are good wally we got our boy wally's deaf he's a great dude arthur great folks sabrina dennison our girl our heavenly girl she's deaf it's all good. They're deaf in the hip-hop sense and deaf in the actual sense. They're great. Great people. True that. True that. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with that, man. Hawk, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, the thing is that...
5: I mean, I actually... I, I, I'm i open to the possibility that uh, he could have been another one of uh, Dahmer's victims. Because, I mean, if the eyewitness account that uh, plays you know, Dharma there throwing in the kid and the blue van and all that. And also it would explain why you did not find the body uh the body part. You only found the head. Um and the thing is that the impression I got is the heads weren't really trophies, they were just, you know, things he I mean, he'd boil it down and eat it later. So it would not have as much of I think the the trophy for Adama was the fact of just eating uh, his victims. So he felt like he was one with them. So the thing is, I could very easily see that that's why he got rid of the head the way he did. And also the reasons why he would not take the responsibility for that act while he was willing to take the responsibility for the others. I have to say, I mean, I'm more on the thing is I can really see that you know, unfortunately, that um, Adam might have been another one of Dharma's victims, even if he did not admit to it.
2: You think uh, out like dismissing Tool and Lucas that that much like strictly Dharma? Do you think it was a triple threat?
5: No, no, no. The inference I get from Dharma is that Dharma did his own.
2: He was he always worked alone for sure. Yeah, he
5: always worked alone. Now I would not put it past that. They were in the same circles of, you know, that they knew of each other or that they happened to be around at the same time. Um, The impression I get with the whole tool and the other guy was that, you know, them taking on any kind of responsibility was, you know, trying to get some name recognition or, you know, Just to get people to actually, you know, even know who the heck they are. Mm. Because, I mean, but, I mean, honestly, I, me, I, looking at at the things, I would say that maybe Dharma was the one who actually was involved.
2: Interesting. Yeah.
5: Because, I mean, if you look at how things were found and all that, and also if you're playing with the fact that and we'll talk about it later, but that Dharma had more of a like um, connection to either law enforcement or something else that would also explain why the car disappeared, why the rug disappeared, and why the machete disappeared. And even if for the fact that those things didn't actually implicate him, but just get them thrown out, that. Still opens up a lot of speculation, which you know will point the uh, finger at someone else.
2: Right. So, yeah, because I mean, if you were to take, if you were to take away, dismiss the what Tool said, then you really there's no nobody even knows what happened to the body. I mean, if you were to take take that out of the mix and say that he's unreliable, his statement's not real. Nobody then nobody knows where the body is to that day, and the body could have been eaten. You know, like, to be crazy with it, if Damo, if he's thinking he's getting some spiritual thing from eating these people, you would think the more, pu- more purer you are, so to speak, the probably better for you, whatever your fucking accomplishment you're trying to go for is, Then it would be a kid. But I do think that there's some type of conscience within these people. I think that the darkness is so deep that it blurs out their conscience, and I think on certain days they reflect and they actually feel bad and they're remorseful of what they do, but it's like a crazy fucked up urge that takes over them, you know what I mean? So, like, in that sense of it, I think.
5: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, the conscience uh, aspect, I think, is what I said before with there's that line. There's that one line that, you know, you see it in movies, you see it uh, all the time where they're like, well, you know, I did all this horrendous stuff, but I won't, you know hurt a kid or I won't hurt a woman or, or a combination of both or you know, I won't hurt an animal. I don't care about the human race but I won't hurt an animal.
2: I like or, that where you're going because the conscience of it type deal is like it's a battle between evil and them. So yeah. even though they're saying I won't do this, the evil's like no you're fucking you're going to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah,
5: Yeah. I mean the thing is that whatever... I mean you can argue whether it's a disease whether it's the way they were born how they were raised or a combination of all three things mm. that I it's of course I know this is jumping into you know what we do but as I remember talking to an actor who plays a lot of villains and one of the things he always says is that when you're playing a villain you can never think of yourself as a villain mm. because People don't. I mean, Hitler didn't think of himself as a villain. He thought he was, you know, bringing the German, uh, uh, you know, way of life and, and all that, that he was trying to protect it by all the horrendous shit that he did. Because in his mind, what he did, he did was very rational and made sense. Same thing with Dahmer, same thing with Bundy, same thing with Gacy, with all of them. Really? The thing is that. No matter how mentally deprived or messed up as someone is, they always have a rational explanation that makes sense to them why they do what they. are. And like I said, going with your conscience thing, that conscience is that one line they won't cross, even if it's like uh, I'll kill everything that live, but you know, I I will do it in a certain manner that will. Preserve their soul or something like yeah. that. I mean, like I said, there's and and of course you can sit down and look at them like man, that doesn't make any sense and that is messed up. But to them, it makes sense.
2: Right. I'm with you on that. the uh, The thing thing super interesting. And I mean, I don't, I don't deny that that happened. I think that it's more. I'd probably lean more towards what Sean was saying about with like the Henry Lee Lucas and Tool doing it and Tool just kind of like Lucas being the brains of the operation and then them going back and forth. I mean, if the Dama thing came out, that'd be, it'd be mind blowing. Um, He very easily could have tested the waters and realized that he didn't like it and then said, I'm not telling anybody about this. And maybe if they were all friendly, maybe, you know, the way we talked about how them trying to be notorious, maybe they kind of took that load off of Dama's belt, so to speak, by fucking saying they did it. Yeah. Which, you know, because who's to say I don't – you know, there's certain serial killers and such. Like, I know that – I know that – who was it? I think it was fucking – David Berkowitz and Manson, I think it was, had beef. Like, those two dudes hated each other um, because it was a weird thing where – they they both felt justified doing what they were doing, but they didn't think the other one was justified. It was like a mm, weird to go yeah. into the psych, psycho psychology of what you were just going with. There's like that, but I think there's a lot of fucking ego. Anybody that kills anybody, I think, has some type of ego issue to begin with, because usually yeah. it's like, how could you do this to me? I'm fucking me now. I'm killing you, type deal. So I think in that sense of it, there, there's that ego, and I think that's why they clash. Berkowitz is still kicking. He's a religious man now. Uh, Damo, he 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 had a, he went out kicking, but he ain't kicking no more. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a weird vibe. But I but I do kind of think uh, O'Toole. I I always thought that he kind of just tried to take it on to be kind of more famous because he was really kind of just this dummy person that. Probably wanted to be, he probably seen himself on the TV and in the newspapers and thought he was famous now. Well, he is famous, he was notorious, but he thought he was this fucking celebrity. So he wants to feed into it. I think that's a big part of how they keep going back and forth. So they can say, Okay, yeah, I did it. Get some newspaper articles, fucking get talked about on the news, and then go, No, 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 I I, I didn't do it. Um, And then it dies down and they need a little more attention. So they're like, Yeah, yeah, I did it. I did it. I did it. It's the side of their site fucking being psychotic and stuff. And it's kind of, it's, you know, they're not good people to begin with. So, like, even just taking advantage of that situation's really fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I also believe... I'm also a believer in the possibility that it was none of those three people and that whoever did it is still fucking walking the mall. Still walking yeah. the mall this day pre-COVID. And, um, you know, I think that's a possibility. You know, it's very... It's very, you know, Jack, Jack the Ripper type deal. You know what I mean? Like it's very, if it was a one, one deal, you know, if it was a one time deal where there was this fucking evil person that <clears throat> captivated on this one rare occurrence that he just had this kid, it all lined up perfectly. You know, the security guard fucking ushered him out said, you can't be here. And then the kid was left outside alone and he was abducted. Like, it, everything kind of had to line up. And like I said, I'd be very curious to that, the fucking security guard, Richard Ramirez, who fucking brought the kids outside. Um, but I'd be curious to that fucking security guard and what his what his overall, what his life is like and who he interacts with, because that could be something. And even the thing with the kids, I know it's very far-fetched, but if he's fighting with those kids, who's to say that those kids weren't they're playing video games? People say the video games corrupt your mind. So, who you know, who's to say that, the kids didn't have something to do with it. Now I don't think your typical go to the mall, play some fucking Terminator 2 arcade shoot 'em up game has what it takes to cut a fucking other, a six year old's head off. I think that's pretty heavy duty. But the the possibility of them pushing him and him falling somewhere, hitting his head and dying like that, yeah, I could see that happening. And then from that point on, it's like I don't know, dude. Like if you're a serial killer, dude, and you find a dead body. Do you get enjoyment out of hacking that dead body up after it's dead? Or, you know what I mean? Who's to say? Um, but, yeah, I, I think it could. Yeah, I think. It could. I mean, the possibilities are endless. There's five things right there. Nobody knows who it is. Kids. Dama, Tool by himself. And Tool with Lucas. And I think Tool with Lucas or nobody knows who it is is probably my picks. For, or a police again. Or the fucking police, dude. You do whenever I hear about cops dropping the ball that heavy and happens every now and then I got to I got to assume that there's some corruption tied up in it. Even like the Biggie and Tupac cases, which never, you know, some of the two biggest murders in the history of fucking music and nobody knows what happened. You know, there's talk and there's a cool documentary that I want to talk about and do an episode on one of these days where it's pretty convincing, uh, pretty believable of what kind of went down with that. But like, yeah, it's weird. Like, whenever I see that, it's like, how do they drop the ball? They gotta be fucking, there's gotta be somebody on the inside that fucked up the evidence and goes, oh, my apologies, dude. And the people that do that, they need to look into and not just assume them to be fucking incompetent. Like, you know, but it's weird. So my take is I think it's either orchestrated the brains was Lucas and maybe the the body was fucking um, Tool. And I also think that it could just be could just be fucking one of those things, you know what I mean? That nobody knows. It was a one-off thing. Some perverted demon seen an opportunity grabbed it, did what he did and then was like these guys are taking blame for it thanks peace you know what i mean and fucking brush off you know i could my mind could make me think of other weird theories that could be true but i'm not gonna go into them you know what i mean the fact that that the the, i don't know the 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 mother be the grandmother being there randomly was kind of a coincidence i never say that the family would be involved with that that'd be too fucked up but it's kind of weird Um, That the grandmother was just there, for sure. But just as weird as everything else that doesn't kind of line up in this story, you know. Uh, Definitely condolences to the family. Rest in peace to Adam Walsh. Horrible thing, dude. No kid deserves that. No family deserves that. And uh, very tragic shit. And uh, that's what we're all about here on Behold the Pill podcast. Tragic shit. So, again, I like to say we do these episodes. There might be some comedy and some jokes thrown around. It's only to clear the air, bring a little levity to it. You know, if you're, not, if you're not fucking, if you're not laughing sometimes, you're crying all the time. You know what I mean? So it's one of those deals and weird line. I don't try to offend anybody. Uh, I'm uneducated. You know what I mean? We heard about the teacher, my English teacher that sucked. So blame <laughs> her. It's not my fault. So with that being said, we hope all y'all enjoyed the show. And we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Behold, 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 a pale podcast.
3: Woo! He is the co-founder of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, a project that grew from unimaginable Lost. John, thank you so much for being here. It's such an honor to host this program with you and, of course, with Callahan. Your life's work began with the loss of your son, Adam. Take us back to that day. It's been 36 years.
6: Well, it was uh, July twenty-seventh, uh, 1981. I kissed uh, Adam goodbye. He was six and a half years old at the time, our only son. I was working on the project of my business career. So excited, Ravey and I, that's my wife, we're still married after 45 years, still married. Uh-huh. Had three children since then, but Adam was our first and only. And uh, we were, we had the American dream. We had the beautiful home in Little Hollywood, Florida near Fort Lauderdale. I had three business partners. We were building that $26 million hotel and I was the happiest guy around.
3: And I kissed Adam goodbye that morning and never saw him again. So your wife took him to a Sears department store. She lets him go and take a look at some video games. She's browsing, and all of a sudden, chaos.
6: Well, she she was, I, I say she was the most dedicated mother. She wouldn't let Adam ride his bike on the street or sidewalk only in the driveway. Brought him to private school every day, picked him up. And we called him the little gentleman. I had taken this little boy all over the world with me. I was traveling all the time. And she took him to the store that day, in 1981 video games were brand new. So Mm -hmm. two black boys, about 12, 13 years old, were playing two Argentine boys who barely spoke English. Adam was mesmerized by that, toy department Mm -hmm. in Sears, asked his mom. Can I stay here and watch him? She said, I'm going. She wasn't browsing. She said, sure. I'm going three aisles away. Okay. I'll see the top of your head. I'll be right back. Now, this is 1981. And little boys are trying to stretch out at six and a half years old. Three minutes, police estimate, she came back. She couldn't see the top of his head. She asked for help. In those days, Sears store paid personnel part-time, security people part-time, And there was a 17-year-old security guard, untrained that day, who in that three-minute period came upon the boys arguing and said, you black boys out this door, you white boys out this door. When Reve came back, they refused to tell her that they had ordered Adam out of the store because they thought that there would be lawsuit problems or whatever the Hollywood police never found we never knew that for 27 years so Reve went and they would not even announce Adam over the store intercom they went he's around somewhere he'll find him that's how bad it was in 81 i raced up from my office in Miami again Hollywood is in Fort Lauderdale it took 45 minutes for a black and white uniformed policeman to get there there were no cell phones in those days and the police station was across the street, so they didn't take missing children very serious. And when I arrived, Reve was very, you know, so upset. Had she had been to the payphone a hundred times, been out to the car, been inside, and I asked the cop, "Well, well where, where are the, where's the SWAT team? Where's, every, where are you?" There looking wasn't anybody. There wasn't anybody. He looked at me and he said, "Hey, cowboy, slow down here. Don't like your attitude. You know, most kids walk home." Or they run away. I went, This is a six and a half year old boy. And how could you be so arrogant as to believe that this little boy knows his way home? We live five miles from here. He's never walked anywhere in his life. I want a detective here. I want to talk to your boss. I'm a member of this community. I support law enforcement. I know the mayor. You should be looking for this boy. Where the hell is the cavalry? I realized from day one they weren't doing the job. They had never had a missing child case. Nobody was helping us. Myself and one of my partners from Texas went and never left that police department for two weeks. We stayed in and out of there, went home to shower, set up the own phone tap, our own phone tap on our phone in case somebody called the house. It was a nightmare that search. So
3: much has changed. Uh and now if a child is reported missing, in many cases there is an instantaneous reaction. And
6: there wasn't back then. There were cops who said, well, depending on the age of the kid, we're going to wait 24 hours. If it's over a certain age, we're going to wait 48 hours. The first four hours are crucial. We didn't really start searching for them until that night where actually my partners went and got cash. We gave people money for the gas to go out and help us search because we thought, what if he did try to walk home and fell in a canal on a golf course? And most of the people that helped me search that night were friends of mine and people that worked for me, that came to my aid. There was no organized police search. There were no Amber Alerts. There was no National Center for Missing Exploited Children. The media sort of showed up, and the search took two weeks. About the seventh day, the media was over it. And I got great advice from the county coroner who told me, you know, we do not exchange information about unidentified dead. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, your son could be dead in a morgue somewhere. We do it in Florida by voluntary basis every six months by mail. Mm. He said, you know, is your son in the NCIC? And I said, what the hell is that? And he said, the National Crime Information Computer. It's full of millions of cars, boats, and planes, convicted felons, and a racehorse, but no missing children, no unidentified dead. I said, I can't believe that. We put a man on the moon. You and I are going to have to call every county coroner in Florida to see if Adam's body is in the morgue. I know he's alive. Somebody good's got to have him. He said, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's up to you. Double the reward. I said, I I put $100,000 together. It's all I have. My partners, I said... At least it'll get the media back, it'll get the attention, because guess what? There were only three channels in 1981, ABC, NBC, and CBS. They all turned me down. I called every one of them ten times during the search and said, let me on, please, I need to come to New York and do this. We'll find Adam. They went, if we do it for you, we've got to do it for every other Mm -hmm. missing kid. Finally, David Hartman let me on. Good morning, America, 14 days later, and that was the day we found Adam's remains. His head was found in a canal 140 miles north of Arnold.
3: it. Is still so hard to hear that detail as you recount it all these years later. I know that this launched you into your life's work, which became trying to keep other people's children safe and you mentioned nick nick you mentioned amber alerts you mentioned code adam sex registry sex offender registries all of these came out of this horrible horrible tragedy does it give you some measure of peace to know that in your loss other children's lives have been spared i don't think so i think we've saved children we've
6: caught people that hurt children But I I have to give the credit to my beautiful, strong wife because while I was dying of a broken heart and lost 30 pounds, could not get that hotel open, it was way over budget. We saw our life savings and our investments of many, many people that were planning on that hotel opening evaporate. She was in our garage answering the 40,000 letters that came from strangers around the country wishing as well mass cards praying for Adam but s- thousands of those letters were people who had runaways non-custodial parental abductions people mm-hmm. who didn't get the children in custody in the divorce who took the children and ran away people who were just desperate for help and trying to figure out how we figured out how to do a poster how we lo- launched the largest search i was intent upon finding who got adam and killed him, and I was going to try to figure to out a way down. to how to kill him. Mm-hmm. I was, I was bent on, on revenge. revenge. Mm-hmm. I couldn't work. I couldn't eat. And this woman said, there is nothing to help missing children. I want to do something to make sure. And she said it to me one night at the lowest point of our life. She said, we, we forgot forgot who, who the real victim, victim is. is. Adam is. We're left behind. Let's make sure he didn't die in vain. Let's make sure he didn't die in vain.
0: For, uh... 27 years, we've been asking who could take a six-year-old boy and murder him and decapitate him? Who? We needed to know. We needed to know. And uh, today we know. The not knowing has been a torture... But uh, that journey's over. And uh, a lot of horrible memories in this police department. Looking for that little boy. And now I think it's, uh, it's only fitting that it ends here. In this police department, And Ravey and I have had some very, very rough, rough, and rock, rocky times, but uh, you always never lost focus of who the real victim was. You never lost focus. You never didn't drive this train, Revey. That that little boy was the real victim.